This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. listeners. You know how much I love this thing called podcasting, right? I might have said it one or 500 times on the show. Well, I found a new way to basically share this passion with others, and that's through podcast consulting. Do you have an idea for a podcast you're looking to get off the ground? Well, definitely get in touch because I would love to work with you to take your idea to launch and let you express yourself out in this world we call podcasting. So check it out at glisteningparticlespodcasting.com. All right, I have a fun one here. A true random acquaintance. I was, uh, well, you'll hear the story when we start talking, so I'll leave it for there. But I want to tell you this. Buzz Kemper is a very interesting guy. And he's done some really cool things with sound as a voiceover artist, as well as a guy who owns a professional studio, which somebody you know might have had the chance to go hang out in and didn't get geeky at all. So hope you enjoy this. It was spur of the moment and pretty amazing. Here we go. Okay. Hi, Buzz. Welcome to Glistening Particles. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you, and I'm, I'm actually super excited to be here because, um, listeners, you are hearing me in the middle of experiencing one of my dreams. So I'm in Buzz's actual audio studio in Madison, Wisconsin, because the universe decided to make Skype audio stop working today around the world. Yeah. Can you believe that happened? I know, that is really weird. And, <laughs> and as I told you before, I assumed, because I've, I've always had odd luck with, with Skype, mm -hmm. and I just assumed that I must be, when you said, oh, I can't connect, I'm <laughs> like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Because it's gotta be me. I know, and it's never yeah. happened. I've been using Skype audio with people around the world for 15 months and never have had an issue with it. I mean. Every so often it'll glitch in the middle of a recording, but not actually not right. connect. So I tried it on my iMac, then I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I tried it on my MacBook, huh, that's even weirder. Yeah. And then I tested, they have a test thing, I tested that and that worked. But then I'm like, okay, something's up. And I Google it and I'm like, oh yeah, there's like 38,000 uh, people complaining about Skype audio right now. Okay. But again, I think it was lucky break because here I am in a studio. I got to see an actual board what do you call that thing well it's it's funny it, it's it it would normally be what you would normally find in a studio now I'm, this is my turn to geek out okay um is a mixing console okay this looks and acts like a mixing console but it's actually technically called a control surface and we refer to it as a big fancy mouse because basically mm. pro tools which is the software that we use you know it's a computer-based mm -hmm. program it's meant to be used or it's made to be used um with 
the mouse. But but we do, you know, 48, 64, 92 track mixes. It's horrible to try to mix something that complex on a mouse. You want faders. You want your fingers mm -hmm. to be touching faders. And plus, I'm old enough that that's what I did. You know, <laughs> it's like faders are what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. You know, I need that tactile experience. So this basically somebody decided well let's make this thing that looks like a mixing console and feels like a mixing console and works like a mixing console but it's basically a big fancy mouse and that's what it is wow well i was i was really impressed oh, when you were you. showing it to me and when you know i can barely handle three tracks so when you say things like 64 and those things i i can't even imagine it but it was really cool seeing how you do all that yeah so this is a pretty big moment here for me, I'm trying to calm down. I've been so excited since I got in the car unexpectedly to come up here at like seven o'clock on a Tuesday night. Right. And um, I still can't calm down. <laughs> no, fine. We just did a mic check. You we guys. just did a mic check oh thing. So, yeah. So, if we were on video, you would have seen me check her windscreen. Okay. <laughs> and the other thing that I should mention is these mics are humongous compared to my little mic. So, I feel like I'm all pro now. You've, yeah. you've turned me into a pro. Like in one night. I try. Yeah, you know, these are, uh, yeah, you know, we, we work with classical music and, and jazz and acoustic musicians who come in here with really good instruments. You know, we have a grand piano. We have the bassists who come in here have, you know, beautiful, expensive, upright basses. And mm -hmm. the violinists who come in have a beautiful, you know, expensive mm -hmm. violin. So we, we can't come at them, you know, with a $29.95, <laughs> you know, uh, Walmart microphone. We got to have the good stuff. Yeah. So we have the good stuff. This is the real deal. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to keep my head in the game so I can actually ask questions and not just keep looking around because there's so much to look at. And I just want to give everybody a little bit of an idea of what it's like here. It's super eclectic. You know, there's some ginormous speakers in the other room that are B&W, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I'd have to look up what that stands for, but it's not B. Some not people think it's the, no, not B-M-W, right. it's B-and-W, right. yeah. Right, and then, you know, we're sitting next to a grand piano. And there's a cutout, a wooden cutout of the yellow submarine up behind Buzz, and more cables and mic stands than I've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> all around us. So it's just like a whole different atmosphere. So I'm going to try for all of you to stay focused and ask real questions, but it's tricky. The other thing you might have noticed about Buzz is that he has an amazing voice. So he's not just the owner of a cool audio place, audio studio. He's also... A voiceover. Voiceover guy. Artist. Yeah. 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 So do I sh let's start there. Well, actually, sure. no, wait, wait. Okay. Let's tell people how cool it is how we met. So we met at a wedding this weekend. So my friend Sarah and her fiance Tom got married. Mm. And Buzz is friends with Tom and Sarah. And he spoke at the wedding. And when we all sat down to eat, um, I realized I didn't know anybody else in the entire wedding party. And so I ended up sitting next to Buzz, and we got into this great conversation. Yeah. And and Bob was there, yeah, who also does voiceover work. Bob Abella, who is yeah. the reason I met Tom, because right. Tom used to be an engineer at Bob's Studio, and I would do voiceover work at Bob's Studio, and Tom would be the engineer. Yeah, right. And and you and Tom go rock climbing, and yes. so does Sarah. And I met Sarah mm. at a Reiki studio, mm. so we're all just really big fun. And then um, when he started talking about voiceover and 
that he had a studio, you can imagine that I was like, I need to talk more. I need to hear more. Yeah. Well, it's funny. As I was telling, <laughs> I was telling my colleague here, she's like, I said, you know, well, how did you meet this woman? I said, well, you know, she she sits down. I'm at one of the few tables that has has open seats, and so she sits down, and we had the usual conversation. Well, you know, oh well, what are you all about? What do you do? Oh well, what are you all about? What do you do? And and it's like, you know. I do this studio and voiceover stuff, you know. Well, I do this, this, and this, and this, and I have this podcast. And by the end of the of the dinner, <laughs> she's like, "I think I want to interview you for my podcast." So I really feel like I locked out. Well, we both did. actually. I should say you ha- you're on two podcasts. Don't let me forget that you. So yeah, there's like all these things you do. So why don't you talk about podcasting, voiceover work, and then I'll dive into a bunch of questions along the way. Let's okay. start there. Okay. Well. I mean, let's see, where do, where do I start? So I got my first voiceover gig. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought um, it, it was it's just very funny because I didn't think I really had, uh, I didn't think my voice was anything special. And somebody said, you know, oh, actually you have a really nice voice. And I thought, oh, that's a really a line. You know, it's like, it's <laughs> like it, if they were, it, no, it was a guy. <laughs> it was a guy, but he, um, but he worked for a school that taught uh, people taught young basically taught mm-hmm. young men and women how to become radio DJs because oh. back in that day you know there were actually radio DJs <laughs> now now you know everything's syndicated mm-hmm. you know but there were all these local DJs right. back then and and so I thought well this guy's just trying to get me to enroll at his school it's like you know, it's like it's like when you walk onto the used car lot and the guy right. says, "You look like a smart buyer." <laughs> you know, like yeah, you got it, buddy. So anyway, um, but a, a friend of mine at one point said, "You know, hey, I know this guy who like works at this shoe store, and his boss wants them to do radio ads, but they don't know how to do it. And somebody told him that you know that my friend Buzz had a nice voice, and you know maybe you could get him to be the voice of this radio ad and." And I said, I don't know, I guess I could do it, you know. And and mm-hmm. my buddy said, they won't pay you outright, but they'll give you a pair of shoes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm a college student. That's like that's like being given bars of gold from right. Fort Knox, right? And yeah, you know, I was like, I was walking around in whatever you know crappy shoes right. I had, oh and so I did my first gig for a pair of shoes, and then I just started you know kind of marketing it, and ended up getting work with um, you know all kinds of really cool companies. Um, I do a bunch of stuff for American Family Insurance. Mm-hmm. They sent me to the Bahamas uh, a couple of months ago um, nice. to do a live show for them, and. Uh, and I've done um, audiobooks, like I told you, I've done commercials. And today I did a commercial for a, a, a company that sells telephone and internet um, uh, okay. called TDS Telecom. And so it's just, you know, it's all kinds of fun <clears throat> stuff. And the thing is with voice, I, it's not, I don't require it um, as an income source. Like I, right, right. it's great. Excuse me. It allows <laughs> me. I, 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 I shouldn't have eaten cashews before. <laughs> That's um, my trick, so that I would maybe sound better than you on. Oh, great. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. I'll start like yeah. I'll start like hiccuping <laughs> as we talk. Um, but uh, I, uh, I, I, I did. Oh, I forgot where I was going with this now. Okay, so you <laughs> were, so voiceover isn't your income source, right? Okay, yeah, it yeah. isn't my main income source, right, right. right? So it's you know the studio is like what pays the bills, and mm-hmm. the voiceover work allows me to like take a vacation once in a while or go right. out to dinner or whatever. It's in you know, whatever, you know, I need the fun stuff. And so because of that, I don't feel a lot of pressure to take a gig. So Mm -hmm. I can be really, 
I mean, I'm ethical with my studio as well, but, right. um, you know, like my studio would never, you know, uh, there's some, you know, like if you're a hate group, we're not going to do your ad. But right. but with my voice, I can even be pickier. And mm-hmm. so if somebody wants to uh, promote something that, yeah, isn't really something I think makes society, you know, like a nice place, you right. know, I'm, I can feel pretty free to say, you know what, why don't you hire this other guy who's got a nice voice and you can record it here, right. but I just don't want to be, I don't want to yeah. own that. I really like that about you. You know, that's, that's one of the things that after our conversation at the wedding, and I think I told you this when we were booking our, um, our time, that you just have this really warm soul and energy about you. Thanks, and I, I love the fact that that is what I feel here. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you you carry forward in all of your work and and I think that's that's probably why you're so successful at this because it's not about getting the buck it's about doing it with with uh, integrity well thank you yeah I think it's I think I am successful to my definition of it I'm not Mm -hmm. successful in the sense that um, you know, I don't like. I don't have an expensive car. I live in a. I live in a small two bedroom apartment, and I have a roommate because I don't want to pay all the rent myself. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm successful right. in terms of I do what I. You know, I've gotten the work that I want to do, right. um, and and you know, I work with really good people, and um, and we've yeah, we've created a nice little a nice little you know kind of family here, and uh, and it's been it's been really gratifying. Yeah, success is one of those things that people, um, in at least in the United States, we have this really there's this um, advertised definition of success, which is money and things. Yeah. And I think for myself, I've learned that too. That's really not what it's about. Success, and I, I've said this on so many shows. I'm sure people will get bored with it, but um, it's really about spending more time doing what you love and less time yes. doing what you don't want to do, and yeah. also living with integrity in your who you are. Yeah. So um, I think you're a pretty successful guy that way. So that part uh, you've proven already. Yeah, thanks. I feel pretty lucky. And you got that really cool mouse. So you've got that. I've got the cool big. I've got the cool big fancy mouse with hundreds of buttons on it. Hundreds of buttons. Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine gamers with a mouse like that? Like if you had like you were playing Call of Duty or something, you know, some sort of like big video game. Yeah, probably too much. You know, like like. Oh no! I wanted to run away, and instead I'm like fighting somebody. Wait, I hit the wrong button. You know, oh no! Yeah. Jump, not yeah. shoot. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a video game guy. Me so either, I don't know but much. I I have some in my. <laughs> I have boys. They have video games. Oh me. yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah I bet. So there's do. a lot of that going on. Yeah. All right. So, um, how did you end up? So you went to college. Was that in that was in Minnesota? Minnesota. And then. Then what did you do after that? Did you did you go? What were you going to school for? Were you going to school for radio? I was going to school for for mass communication uh, because it's, so. Here's the deal. I my my father um, was a pharmacist who mm-hmm. um, who had this you know this nice little neighborhood drugstore, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I could go on and on about my dad. He was a really cool guy, uh, but um, he um, he needed a relief pharmacist because the store was open thirteen hours a day. Okay, um, and you know my mom and us kids kind of like to see him once in a while, so yeah. he he would hire this pharmacist who could work some of those hours. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the guys he hired, you know, happened to be a, a, a game man whose partner um, was a really brilliant design engineer and he designed mm. this incredible uh, equipment he designed the some of the I was showing you microphone preamps earlier yes. some of those were designed by this man really? um, yeah he designed and built them from scratch oh. he's just yeah so he's, that happened because of that yeah you got into that 
Right. Because of some guy. Yeah. That did the relief pharmacy. I love when yeah, it comes right. like that. Yeah, I know. It was it's just like when total Skype luck. goes down when you're supposed to do an interview. Okay. Exactly. Go on. It's serendip- <laughs> serendipity. Yes. Serendipity. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking about that the other day. The fun. By the way, the, a little aside. The most fun. Um, definition I have ever seen for the word serendipity is somebody wrote, it's looking for the needle in the haystack and instead finding the farmer's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was great. Yeah, I thought that was really good. good. So anyway, so the guy, so the pharmacist introduces me to his partner who's a design engineer. The design engineer is working for, um, for a public radio station and the public radio station then, you know, they start to get to know me because Mm -hmm. I go down there to like hang out, you know, right. and I was not shy. I was pretty, I was a pretty social kid, you know, mm-hmm. so I would go down there. I was like 17. I'd go down and say, you know, hey, can you tell me about that? You know, and <laughs> and, um, and they ended up hiring me and <gasps> and I nice. ended up working, you know, so I had started this whole public radio career and I ended up working. Your your older listeners will know this reference. Okay. You may not because you are you are not old. But Garrison well, that Keeler, was awesome. yeah, say that again. <laughs> Garrison Ke- Keeler, um, uh, who hosted a show for many years mm-hmm. on public radio called A Prairie Home Companion. I've heard of that. I was his engineer for, <gasps> for, for five wow. years. And so I was I worked for Garrison. I worked for all these other people and I started learning how to do uh, classical music and I just, you know, kind of mm-hmm. and, and doing some broadcasting. And it was after those five years with mm-hmm. public radio that I stopped and hit the reset button. And that's when I started college uh, because oh, I did not okay. want to go through life without a college degree. I thought I don't want to be one of those guys who's like an expert in this one thing, mm-hmm. but I don't know anything about philosophy or history or, you know, you know, geography or anything else. You know, I want to like, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to hit the reset button. I'm mm-hmm. going to do four years of college and then I can pick up my career. Are you glad you did that? Very glad. Very that's glad. really good advice for kids today. You yeah. Know, like, because I think people, there's this belief that if you don't do it right away, then you can't do it, but I don't think that's true at all. I wouldn't want to do it like in my 40s, but I did it. I started when I was 23, and I'll okay. tell you, I had such a huge advantage over the other students who were, you know, 18 because right. I had, you know, you're not mature at 23, but you're a lot further along than you were at 18. And right. so, like, I knew, you know, like, I knew what I was there for. I knew what I wanted to get mm-hmm. out of it. I was the kid. I was the first one in the classroom. I would sit in the front row. I would be two minutes before the professor even came in. I would be sitting there with my notebook open and my pen in my hand <laughs> and ready to go, you know. And I think I knew those guys. Yeah, when I was in other college. students, yeah. <laughs> other students teased me about it, but I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm old enough that I can't ask my parents to pay for this. Mm-hmm. I'm paying for it myself, and I'm here to I'm here to learn. Like Get the I'm best not, out of it, right? Yeah, I'm not here for a degree. I'm here for learning. Yeah, I always thought if I could go back to college again, I would just rock the crap out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I struggled so much when I was in college, but I worked a lot, and yeah. But I think, oh my gosh, to go back and try that calculus class again that I failed, I bet I would actually pass it this time. Right. Even though I did do it a ceremonial book burning though afterwards because oh, it was okay. so bad. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So okay, That's... so you went you went to college and then after that you is that after that that you worked with in public radio or then you went out to 
So it was it was public radio first. Okay, and then college. With no degree. Then right. stopped, went to college, got my four-year degree, mm-hmm. and got into um, got into a lot of uh, drama classes there, by the way. I started, I fell, I fell in love, not romantically, but intellectually with the two um, drama coaches that I had mm-hmm. who were just two of the most brilliant women I've ever met in my life. And just um, intellectually? Yeah, <laughs> seriously, because I was in I was in love I was in love I had a girlfriend okay. and I was actually in love with her. But no, one of them, um, one of them, um, I'll just give first names: um, uh, Dawn, who who has has since passed away, and I miss her terribly, and Donna, who is still with mm-hmm. us, and we're still Facebook friends. They were so inspirational, and mm-hmm. that really helped my voiceover career because I've had people tell me. Yes, your voice is nice, but what's what I really like about mm-hmm. working with you is you know how to take direction. And I'm ah. like, thank you, Donna and Dawn, because that's what right. they taught me was, you know, nope, I don't want you to play it like that. I want you to play it like this, and boom, you had to turn on a dime and do it. Nice. And uh, it was great, very good. So then um, what did you do? Did you go into theater for a while? For In, in college, yeah. I yeah. took every theater class I could take. I took every mm-hmm. theater class I could take. I was just so, you know, into, like, the idea of it. And, like I said, these two women were so inspirational. And so um, I did that. And, um, and But my major was mass communication because I right. knew eventually – I was going to end up back in in radio, mm-hmm. which I did. But then that turned into me buying a recording studio, and now <laughs> and now here I am. And here you are. Here I am. So, what was your favorite play or or um, performance that you did in college when you were in theater, and why? Um, the literature stuff we did was really um, inspiring, and we did a lot of one acts by people like John Cheever. Mm-hmm. Um, I once directed uh, a performance of, um, of Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. You know, "'Twas brillig and the slithy toves <laughs> did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves and the mome rats outgrave." I could keep going. But uh, the, I think my favorite one was um, a thing that, um, that, that Donna Marie wanted to do, um, and it was called um, The Triumphs of Fuzzy Fogtop. And it was just about this absent-minded guy who um, had these silly adventures, and it was a kid's play. It was a, okay. it was meant to be very, very silly. Uh-huh. And so, like, he gets up in the morning, and he can't get dressed because he can't remember where he put his pants the night before. <laughs> so there's one whole scene where I'm just running around the room in these ridiculous <laughs> boxer shorts, you know, trying to find my pants, you know. And uh, and so it was that kind of thing. And because the the children were so just delightful and mm-hmm. giggly and fun and they would come up to me afterwards and ask me you know fuzzy could i have your autograph and, and i think that was my favorite play just because it, it was it was mm-hmm. so endearing so you playful know? Yeah. yeah 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 and so then you have the studio and what do you like what has been your as a voiceover talent what's been your favorite piece that you've done there favorite type of work do you have one or an experience yeah when i um Reading, um, I've done you know I've done a couple of audio books. One where I did the whole thing, um, and that was really 
That was huge to me because I don't have a formal, what I would call a bucket list, mm -hmm. but if I had one doing an audio book, would definitely would have been on. It's something yeah. I've always wanted to do. So maybe I'll get to do more, maybe I won't, mm -hmm. but that was huge because it's like, okay, now I've done an audio book. But I think the most gratifying stuff that I've done has been poetry. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, ironically, it's the thing I do that doesn't pay. But there are various <laughs> um, musical ensembles mm -hmm. in town. We have some incredible musicians here in town. Mm -hmm. And there are two ensembles for whom I have done um, spoken word stuff, uh, mm. uh, poems. And one is Kicksville, and they have had me do poems by a guy named John Beecher, who's just, mm -hmm. he's, he's dead now, but he's just brilliant. Mm -hmm. And his stuff was, one of his poems is called A Report to the Stockholders. And it's all about the 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 death the poverty and the injuries that happen in the workplace and the mm. idea is those dividends that you got Mr. stockholder from this company here's what it cost this guy here's what it cost that person wow. here's right it's, it's a different it's kind of poetry different kind of poetry it's a little dark mm -hmm. but it's but just mm. amazingly powerful and then there's another ensemble called mr chair which upped the ante uh -huh. they said we want you to read some poetry for one of our pieces and i said great what's the poem and they said we want you to write it i was just about to ask have you written yeah. poetry? and then i went oh boy that's another that's a whole different ball game folks like and i said okay what's the piece called mm -hmm. and they didn't have a title and then i asked jason the keyboard player i said and i know that he he's one of these people who there's a word for it and i can't remember what it is but he's one of these people who um he relates music to colors oh and cool. so i said I said, what does this feel like to you? And he mm -hmm. said, it feels very blue. Okay. And I said, okay, I'm just going to go with that. So hmm. I wrote this this poem called Blue, and um, and I, I'm really insecure when it comes to writing. Huh. Um, but I paid myself the highest compliment I have ever paid myself on a thing I have written. Mm -hmm. I read through the poem after about like four editing rounds and I said to myself, this doesn't embarrass me. <laughs> 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 so I presented it to the band and you know what their one criticism was? What? It's too short. Oh no. Could you make it longer? And I'm like, oh my God. So I thought, well, that's more, good. They want more. more. That's good. So I so I lengthened it a little bit. And Sarah, in fact, um, who our friend who just got married, she she contributed part of it because I said, as a Reiki practitioner, mm -hmm. what does blue mean to you? Ah, and she told yeah. me and I put it in there. Um, nice. and uh, and I've got stuff about Picasso's blue period of painting. Mm -hmm. I've got stuff about the blues music mm -hmm. style. I've got um, I've even I even wove in the numbers of the wavelengths. If a wavelength falls between this number and this number, mm -hmm. it is it is perceived by the brain as being blue. Really? Yeah. And Sarah's dog's name is Blue. It's and like a, Sarah's another, dog's name is Blue. Another and I didn't serendipity, even, and it doesn't have anything to do with the haystack. I know, and you know what? I didn't even Jeez. get the dog into the poem. But <laughs> but um, but anyway, that was really fun. So I'd say that's the thing that has been the most gratifying to me is to do poetry, yeah. whether mine or someone else's, and be able to 
create art because otherwise what you're doing it's very fun and I don't want to knock it it's beautiful thing Mm -hmm. and I love doing it but some of it literally is you know um buy this mug for only 12.95 and get a free set of steak knives you know so so you really talk like that when you're doing there are commercials (laughs) there are commercials that want me to do it one one ad one client wanted me to do the movie trailer voice so i actually got to do the in a world where blah 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 yes i got to do that voice so that was know those voices see this is really (laughs) usually i'm pretty happy with my voice but when i'm sitting across from you i'm like there's just I'm just not even trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I have a limited range, but I can do a few things. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you ask me to do, like, I'm I'm horrible at impersonations. I had a guy who want for a thing he was doing. He wanted me to he wanted me to do Al Gore, and um, and I worked. I worked for like three weeks every day listening to Al Gore speeches and mm-hmm. trying to emulate them. And I would record myself and play it back, and I'd be going. <laughs> You're going, good God, I, this could just as easily be Jeff Bridges as like Al Gore. Like I have no, yeah, so I gave up. <laughs> do, you, do you have any um, people who do who are voiceover or do acting or that you are like the people you like, oh, I love, I would love to sound like that. Do you have anything like that? Yeah, I think, um, I think the guy, you know, I, I, I'm, I probably tune in a little more to men as like something that I could emulate right, or not. Right. Um, and um, and Orson Welles always just oh, blew me away yeah. because he could do. Perfect choice. Yeah, he could yeah. do, you know, he could really bring it. And, um, and he knew, he knew that excitement is not talking, necessarily talking uh-huh. faster or, or, or louder. Right. Sometimes drama. It's the anticipation. Is pauses right and being quiet you know I should work and I just it's (laughs) yeah so I learned a lot from him and there are many Um, times where I will use tricks I learned from listening to him that this is an this is a dramatic moment that does not call for more volume it calls Mm -hmm. for less that's true with him like definitely true with him yeah see we're learning something here I'm learning something here I'll try to do more pausing which is hard (laughs) you sound great so another thing that I learned about you the other day, so besides your passion about, you know, music and sound, was about rock climbing. So how did that happen? Love of a woman. Um, okay. um, the, um, I will, um, I don't think she'll mind being mentioned. She's a friend. Um, um, Jody um, was my, is my ex-wife's name. And when we started dating and fell in love, she was very much into rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, very passionate about it and very good at it. And this was a while back. Yeah, like this it is wasn't like so trendy 20, like it is now. No, it definitely right. wasn't. No, this was no, I met her in nineteen eighty well, we got married in nineteen eighty nine. So I probably met her in like eighty six or eighty seven, something like that. Mm-hmm. We knew each other a couple of years. And um and she would take me rock climbing, um, you know, with her. And I was scared to death. I was very <laughs> afraid of heights. And um, I would get up six feet and, you know, be like trembling, <laughs> you know. But she was very encouraging and very mm-hmm. safe and um, and um, and very patient. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, we didn't work out as a married couple, but I, I, I admire <laughs> her in many, many ways. Um, right. She's very, very wise very smart woman but um anyway she um I was bound to determine I was totally in love with her um I was totally enamored with her I mm-hmm. just li- like to, she was like I just 
thought she was the most, you know, like Aww. like beautiful, amazing woman right. on the planet. And I just wanted Aww. to do, you know. So she was passionate about this sport. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be with her, I should at least try, you know. Good thing she wasn't passionate about ballet. I know, right? It could have been, right? It could have been so much worse, right? Or she would have been, right? Or she would have been passionate about, like, you know, needlepoint. And I'd be like, oh, I hate this. But um, anyway, it was, so we had these funny adventures because the, the group that she rock climbed, but mm-hmm. rock climbing, is very very male dominated. It's okay. it's like there's probably any given time it's like probably thirty to one men over women. Even currently, um, it's probably a little different now, but right. probably still ten to one. I mean, okay. it's definitely male dominated. Okay, you know, um, some of the be- and I don't want to belittle women. I mean, there are, I've climbed with some women who are amazing climbers. Mm-hmm. There just aren't that many that do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, but um, I think the topic came up came up uh, at the wedding of me doing it. I'm like, yeah, that's. That's just never going to happen. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You could do it. It's just that, you know, I mean, you may or may not be great, but who cares? You don't have to be great. As I told one friend of mine about, he he asked me, you know, like, wouldn't you like to be great at this? And I said, no. I said, I really, I need to be great at the things people depend on me to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I need to be great at my job. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to be great at belaying you so you don't fall. Mm -hmm. But I don't need to be a great climber. I just want to have fun. You know, I just want to have fun. That's a good attitude. And uh, yeah, because, you know, I mean, some things are hobbies and we don't have to like like devote ourselves right. and um so anyway um that's how i got into it and mm-hmm. um and uh and jody got to a point where she she had she had a few physical issues her back was you know sometimes would give her pain and stuff and so she started climbing less and less mm-hmm. and by the time we divorced um she wasn't doing much of it at all mm-hmm. but i went on and um and started climbing bigger and bigger things and i remember when i got to the top of devil's tower which is just under a thousand vertical wow. feet right. um in wyoming some of you may know it from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, when I got to the top oh, of that. there. I was thinking Devil's Lake. Yeah. No, no Devil's that. Tower in Wyoming. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I don't know why all these time. things have devil names. But, I know. Um, hmm. um, the, the, the natives called it Bear Tower because of okay. a legend of how it was formed. But somehow the white people turned it into Devil's <laughs> Tower. Who knows? White people. Eh. Um, <laughs> I can say this that because I'm one of them, now. right? Exactly. But uh, anyway, uh, when I got to the top of Devil's Tower in Wyoming, I remember thinking to myself, "I think I'm finally over my fear of heights because wow. look where I am right now." That's so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Have you um, climbed outside of the country at all? Boy, that's a great question. Um, no, I've done a, I've done a, I've done a mountain in Canada, but not. Oh. Uh, no technical climbing in other countries. No, hmm. no. I guess we know what's going on your bucket list then. Yes. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be good. I don't really have one. I mean, I, right now I look for. I like opportunities, but mm-hmm. I don't like to think of it in terms of a bucket list because well, then true. you think of like it's something you must do or you're right. missing out. That's true. Yeah, I like to think okay. more in positive. So terms, we've now come up with an opportunity for you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, it's on my opportunity list. Okay. <laughs> So what is, um, you talked about the Bahamas. Tell me yeah. about that trip. Is there something, like, what was that about for American so, Family? So um, American Family Insurance um, it does these uh, does these uh, big trips once mm-hmm. in a while for their top salespeople. Mm-hmm. These are the people who are really, like, out there, like, really out there, mm-hmm. you know, doing it. And, um, and so they want to... Um, um, American family, and I'm not an official spokesman, so I want to be a little careful here, but they, they, they put a lot of e- emphasis and importance 
on the relationships that their agents mm -hmm. form with the client. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be the company where you just call an 800 number and get right. an anonymous person. Right. They want you to deal with, um, you know, so if you're the agent, they want me to know Jane and they right. want Jane to know me and they want they want, you know, um, Jane to know, like, you know, what I drive and, right, you know, right. kind of like what my insurance history is a little bit. Right. And, you know, and and just, you know, have that personal relationship. So so people feel like they're really being taken care of. Yeah. And so it, to achieve that, in part, they do these they do these incentive trips to mm -hmm. like, you know, hey, we value you agents and here's what we're going to do. Right. So they um, so this year the trip was to the Bahamas and um, it's a big um, there's a lot involved in these trips, but mm -hmm. there's a big um, show and a business meeting, mm -hmm. and they need an MC for it. They need okay. someone to announce and oh, like bring on Shaquille O'Neal when it's his time <laughs> to speak, and bring on you know the CEO when it's uh -huh. his time to speak, and talk about you know when um, when when. John Smith wins um, an award. They want me to talk a little bit about mm -hmm. John and what what his you know what his interests, what he did to earn the award, but right. also what are his interests? Who is he as a right. person? You know, and so I always feel like my job at those gigs, my job anywhere in uh -huh. any capacity is to try to add value. Well, mm -hmm. how do I add value to these shows? I try to make for the fifteen seconds that I'm talking about you right. because of what you achieved. My job, my way of adding value is I want to make you feel mm -hmm. like the most important and valued human being on the planet for Aww. 15 seconds that I can talk about you. That's so and nice. that's what I that's what I try to do. And I had this wonderful yeah. moment in Bahamas where um, there was a, there was an Italian man um, and even if I could remember his <laughs> name, I probably shouldn't say it because, you know, he probably doesn't want me to talk about him on your podcast. Right, but right. but I yeah. was told this is how you pronounce his name. Okay. And I worked on it mm -hmm. and I practiced it and I had it down. Right. The night before the show, I met him at a little cocktail gathering mm -hmm. and he said, he said, no, that is not how you say it. Everyone says, everyone says my name wrong. Oh, no. You know, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right. What do I do? So I said, how do you say it? And he said it to me. And I said, okay, say it again. <laughs> and he said it again. And I said, and I said, sir, tomorrow when you go up on that stage, I'm going to say your name exactly like that. Yeah. And he smiled. And he came up to me <laughs> afterwards and he told me that I, that I had nailed it. And oh, it was great because nice. I, I had already written a file in my head right. that was wrong right. and I had to erase it. You know, it's harder than people over. think to get people's names right. I mean, I don't, it, it's just to know the exact way to say it. You yeah. do have to practice it. I mean, I did a show where I called the person the wrong name through the whole show. So okay. now I'll, I usually ask at the beginning, but I think I know how to pronounce yours. There's well, but yeah, Buzz, yeah, Buzz Kemper is not too hard. <laughs> how did it become Buzz? Let's ask that question, my, obvious question. Yeah, I wish my mom, I always wish my mom was here because she's so cute when she tells this story. So I'm the youngest of five kids. And okay. so my parents would want to like have a life once in a while. So they would, they had this, this teenage girl named Kitty uh -huh. who would come <laughs> over and. Because uh, that's a normal name. Because that's right. I mean, <laughs> I was nicknamed Buzz by a girl named Kitty. I mean, I just, I cannot believe that. That is also serendipity. Right, um, right. So 
Kitty, you know, was very much like into the family, very uh-huh. like like the family knew all the my older siblings, you know, did babysitting and mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And she wanted to come over and meet the new baby. And I'd only was born a few days earlier. My, mo- my mother says I was five days old. Okay. Kitty comes over, walks <laughs> up to the bassinet, and my name is my name is Bernard Allen. Okay. So, <laughs> Kitty's quote, according to my mother. I don't know. He just doesn't look like a Bernard to me. I think I'll just call him Buzzy. <laughs> and my mom says from that moment on, I was Buzz or Buzzy to everyone, including oh my, my parents. Are you serious? My high school diploma is made out, is written to Buzz Kemper. Are you serious? I absolutely am not lying. Oh my lying. gosh. I'm absolutely not <laughs> lying. And, and so, so a lot of people. Named Kitty named you, yeah, essentially. She totally did. And I, I never knew her as an adult, but I wish I could thank her because. Aww. There's nothing wrong with Bernard. It's a it's a it's right. an elegant name. I was named for my paternal grandfather, mm-hmm. and that's why it's Bernard and not Bernard, right. because that's the way he pronounced it, it okay. was Bernard. Bernard. But um, with all due respect to Grandpa, um, I really love being Buzz instead of Bernie. Well, it, I know. <laughs> yeah, and it sort of like really fits with what you did with radio. What what? How many DJs are there out there with the name Buzz? That, but they pick it up later because. It makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. Know. Or how many people in in voice how work? Many, you know what the question is? Is how many coffee shops have the name? Buzz? I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, That's it's true. unbelievable. It yeah, true. yeah. I bought a mug from one place once. The 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 coffee shop is named a better buzz, oh. and I thought that's what I want to strive to be. I want to be a better buzz. You know. So yeah. <laughs> perfect. I never even thought of that. That is so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So what else? What didn't we cover yet? Culver the Yellow Submarine. I'm looking around this space because yeah. there's so much to see. Yeah. I don't even know what time it is. I don't oh. even know. I was saying um, I'm out of my element. 8.42. So I don't know how long we've been talking. I don't have my board in front of me. Oh, right, right, right. Or my watch. Yeah, I think we started about 8. Okay, we're good. Roughly. What else here? Let's see. Um, okay, so what is like the next thing that you're interested in? So you've got, you know, all this with sound. Is there something that you're striving to like go after that's not a bucket list item? Right. But... Something that excites you, that's lighting you up. Y- y- yes. Um, uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. It doesn't really fit the description of what you um, then don't said say because it. it's, then not a, say it's not a. It's no. not a. It's not a. It's it's a little more nebulous. But let okay. me tell you about something that right. that happened recently that made me feel like. I had discovered the meaning of life. Um, Tell me that. I, I know. know that. I know. It may not be forty-two, as Douglas Adams wrote. Um, <laughs> so I, um, I have, um, I have a, just you know some really really dear friends. Part of it's from rock climbing. You know, you have to trust each other with your mm-hmm. life and all this kind of stuff. And um, and you know, a couple like women I've been involved with who we've stayed friends, and mm-hmm. so you obviously the two of you know each other really well and all this stuff. So. A friend of mine, um, a woman I used to date, she was in, um, she had had a series of bad things happen to her. Okay. And um, we were in contact almost every day, like, you know, what can I do? Um, And she's like the most emotionally mature person I've ever met. She's like, she's like, her emotional IQ is like, Three thousand, I think. Okay. Um, so like she 10, was handling she was handling it really well, but I could okay. tell she was under a lot of stress. So I would ask her, you know, what can I do? What can I do? Mm-hmm. And one day she asked me for this very simple thing. She asked me if I would take her out and buy her um, 
buy her uh, a meal at this restaurant that served her favorite comfort food. Okay. And I said, yes, absolutely, let's do that. And I did that. And I've known this woman for probably 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I just happened to mention to a mutual friend of ours later, um, someone who is friends of both of us, and I just said, yeah, you know, she." I asked her what I could do, and I was thinking it would be like, you know, like, like help me paint my house or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe loan me money or something mm -hmm. big. And she, I said, no, she just wanted me to, she just wanted mm -hmm. me to buy her, you know, this comfort food. Mm -hmm. And our mutual friend said, she really trusts you. And I said, what do you mean? And she ah. said, when someone is in that vulnerable of a place right. and they need something like that, that's very personal, mm -hmm. um, you're only going to ask that of someone you really trust. So I went back to the original woman. And I said, yeah, you know, I was talking to her and, and she made this really interesting comment. She said, that indicated a deep trust in me. And she looked at me and she said, I trust you completely. Mm. I'm teary now. Aww. But I just thought, you know, like, what can we achieve in life beyond that? Right. To have one person say that. Right. You know, like how many people trust you completely? Right. And do you trust completely? Right. So what else am I passionate about? I guess being that person. I guess I guess right. that's kind of given me like a direction, you know, that yeah, I guess I want to be not everybody, you know, that would be like right. way too much to take on. But if there are, you know, like one or two people in the world about whom, you know, who feel that way about me and right. about whom I feel that way, then I then I think I've then I think I've discovered the meaning of life. Oh, yeah. that that's a beautiful story. You know, I have that. Um, I'm, I'm, there's probably more people I have that with that I'm not saying, but my friend Louise and I, we have that. We have mm -hmm. that implicit trust, like we would anything. Yeah, anything, and it's and we. Our kids are the same age, and we, you know, raised our kids together, and then we kind of drift apart, but we stay together. But we live a mile apart. Like we mm. see each other, not enough. I'm like, yeah. we live a mile apart, yet. Right. I know that no matter what, she is my person. She, I can ask her anything, and I can tell her anything. That's yeah. the best part. I can tell her anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I great. love that. You know, it's so it's so interesting. Again, the serendipity. Like, you know how you just said 42 a minute ago about. Is that like a book reference? Or? So yeah. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So for your for you and for your listeners who don't read comedic uh, science <laughs> fiction books, there is a series of books by a, a British uh, comic writer named Douglas Adams. Uh -huh. It's called The Hitchhiker's Guide to oh, the Galaxy, I've heard of that. and there are okay. several of them. Okay. And in one of the one of the stories in there was that um, there's this supercomputer, and um, they want to ask it, you know, like all these like like bigger than life questions right. because it's this supercomputer and it'll know. And so somebody feeds into it, you know, like what is the meaning of life? And the computer says, and I can't remember all the uh -huh. details. Someone who's geekier about it than me will know. But let's say the computer says, well, I'm going to have to calculate this over the next like, you know, 26 years. Uh -huh. So just leave me alone, you know. And then I think the, a next generation person finally comes, you know, in and okay. says, well, have you figured it out? And the computer basically says, yes, but you're not going to like it. <laughs> and they said, well, what is it? You're not going to like it. And it turns out the meaning of life is, according to this computer, is 42. <laughs> 
So here's the serendipity on that, though. Yeah. Great story. And I'm going to okay. just take you back to the trust thing. Okay. But you said that right after you looked at your watch and said it was 842. Oh, that's true. I did, didn't I? Isn't that funny? And um, your name is Buzz, and I and I won't go into all the details about it, but for my day job, I do a show called Buzz. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I'll tell you more about that later. Okay. So... Um, I wanted to bring back, though, the serendipity thing. So last night I was talking with um, Jane Erbacher, who was on the show recently, and I've done another, some other, I'm doing some other things with her. And we were, we were talking about um, something that she and I see we have in common, which is that we really instantly love people and trust them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my, that's how I start with mm-hmm. everybody that I meet. Okay. And it's always, how I've always been. And I think that's part oh. of why, um, I find it really easy to build relationships like, yeah. you know, instantly with people. The hard part sense. about that is that sometimes they eventually um, give you a reason not to trust them or not, not really to not love them, but not, I don't know. Cause I feel like love, it has to be unconditional, Yeah. but it's really more of a like, Oh yeah. I, I like I get taken advantage of, let's just put it that way okay. uh, because I trust so easily. So I have to, yeah. be, I have sometimes people think that maybe I'm a little naive about that, but I feel like, if we all started that way, yeah. imagine the world, like uh, what it would be like if we all started that way. So I love the fact that that's part of your quest Yeah, is because that's what we should all be doing. We should right. all just be like loving and trusting and then seeing the people, everyone we meet in their highest good. Yeah. And they'll, they'll, they'll uh, strive for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and like I said, I, I, I for myself, I realized that I can't do that with very many people because mm-hmm. it requires a very deep connection. Right. And I don't think you can have a really deep connection with a large number of people. Right. I think by definition, um, deep connection, you know, implies that there is a, a that there's a, yeah, there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a depth there that you just right. couldn't and wouldn't want to get right. to with, you know, a thousand people, but maybe right. you can do it with, you know, maybe you can do it with one person or two or three, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah. And so I just feel, I just felt like that was a really, that was a really defining moment, mm-hmm. uh, for me when, when that happened. Because some people never achieve that. Some people never achieve that. On any, you know, with anybody. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And I think, what yeah. do you think was the secret of that for you? Do you think it's, I have, I have my own ideas, but I don't want to let you answer it. Like, what do you think um, created that, that ability to be that person besides the deep connection? Okay, I'll put Boy, you. Boy, it's a lot of, th- well, it's right. a lot of things. I mean, right. okay, so it's. So it's the way, you know, it's the way I was raised and the way my relationships developed and the way the other person was raised and how her relationships developed. Mm-hmm. But I think that also it's um, it's the, it's the you know, it's the je ne sais quoi. It's the thing that cannot be named. It's it's mm-hmm. there is a there is you know how we all know what this is like, that mm-hmm. you can you can know you can know person X mm-hmm. for five years and you mainly talk about the weather and football right. and you can know person Y for five minutes and feel like you can tell him or her, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, your deepest, darkest secret. Right. And I think that there's a lot of that, you know, there is there is yeah. some of that chemistry that, yeah. um, you know, really cannot be, can neither be named nor right. um, defined but you just sort of sense it and um and this this person i'm talking about is someone with whom 
you know, we have had that, you right. know, um, we have, you know, like, I mean, laughed, we've cried, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I, I can't speak of details without, right, you know, okay. like, yeah, without, you know, betraying her, her, um, you know, things that she's confided in me, but it's just, yeah, there are some people with whom, you know, your, your, um, your boundaries are large and solid and some people with mm -hmm. whom they're a little softer and a little more malleable and, and some, and a few tiny few people for whom they all but disappear. And you and, feel and like you can just, to to. I think it's an openness. We have yeah. to be open to it. And what I found and you, and maybe you found this too, is the more I have uh, engaged new people with the wide open space of me, like just not trying to be something different than yeah. I am. Yeah. The more of those kind of relationships that develop, like I had that, I'm, I have this at my regular job. I have a team right now that I'm working with on a project. And normally I work pretty independently. Mm -hmm. um, I, work, I help a lot of people, but I work very independently. And I'm, I'm engaging with that team in the way that I engage with my guests, in the way that I engage with the people who I love in my life and mm -hmm. my friends, my deep friendships that I have around the world, people I haven't even met yet, mm -hmm. like Jane Urbach or uh, you know Richard Wakefield, the, the photographer. Like I could literally go see him and stay at his house with his family and like love them. You mm. know what I mean? Like yeah. those relationships happen like that if you yeah. let them. Yeah. So it's kind of cool watching. Uh, I like observing myself do crazy new things, you know, cause it's, it's kind of like observing that behavior, mm -hmm. but just being with this team in a corporate environment yet bringing in this kind of openness mm -hmm. has created something so beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what I, I'm hoping more and more people. That's why I wanted to go into this a little deeper because I think that you're onto something, and I think it's about being just so open. And we can do that with more people if we choose to. And every so often we'll get burned. Yeah. Or every so often we'll get a closed door. Right. And that's okay. Right. You know, but the ones that stay open, it's amazing. Right. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. It's. I mean, it, openness. You know, the 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 sort of the potential pitfall to openness is vulnerability exactly. and so one you know one has to be aware that well is this you know is this a person to whom I can be open right. without um, without them um, you know taking advantage of the vulnerability that I will then have created and right. uh, and so yeah there are you know obviously you know we, right. we you know we, we well, all that, make those judgments that's when you call in the badassery that's what you have to yeah do. <laughs> yeah I guess so yeah you go, that's okay good. Yeah. Uh, I see this is not working so now we are closing all gates uh, you yeah. know, all the doors come down right. and we are done but yeah exactly and then you're back though. to the weather and the Packers right. yeah right <laughs> Yeah, that's a hard thing. I run into that a lot myself because I am so open that every so often I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to back up 10 steps from that. Yeah. But if I didn't start there, I don't know. I think I, I take the risk with it. So, yeah. but oh, yeah. No. And it often, you know, it often pays off. And we Most just have times, to realize yeah. that yeah, sometimes it won't. But, you know. So that's it. How are you? So you're going to continue on your quest of um, being the trust, the trusted one. Yeah, I mean, did just you see how I just be, did an Orson? Yeah, thing? you did. Yeah, I totally did. yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess just sort of be. Um, yeah, just just to try to be, you know, like a good person. Another another way it was once um, described. I was listening to this interview, and there was a guy talking about um, um, longevity and health, and mm -hmm. what makes somebody live long and healthy. And the and and I don't know how 
solid the science was behind this, but it sure sounded nice. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, he said, yes, part of it is diet and exercise and part right. of it is, you know, lifestyle and all those kinds of things. But he said one of the things, you know, we have found, whoever his group was, mm -hmm. we, was that if you are the kind of person who um, walks into a room and people tend to say, oh, cool, Jane is here, then you are probably someone who is going to live long and be healthy and and have you know a gratifying mm -hmm. life. And on the other hand, if you're the person who walks in and goes, "Oh, so and so <laughs> is here. This is like crushing my soul." That person, um, that person who walks in the room and and has elicited that response, is probably huh. living in such a way that they're not gonna, you know, that do as well. That is so interesting. So is I kind of want to be the guy who yes. people are. Yeah. Buzz is here. Yeah. Not the life of the party. Right. But no, just, no, no. just be a person that people feel good about. Well, yeah, because as an energy worker, that actually has a lot of merit to me, that idea. Mm. Like, I, I have this quest to live to be 100 and be, like, still dancing and talking yeah. clearly and knowing what I'm saying. Right. And so uh, I'll have to work on that, making sure that I am, you know, when I walk in a room. Yeah, but and it's but also being... it's the energy then you carry on you. When yeah. you're When you're air, the first one, yup, you're light and you're... And your body's not carrying all this, you know, ick. But yeah. when you're the other one, it's the weight of the energy, the negative energy that's making them live a shorter life right. and get that reaction. And that energy yeah. is coming out either covertly or overtly, but right. it's coming out. And right. I think in most cases it comes out overtly because, mm -hmm. you know, some people are just really negative people. You know, they walk right. into a room and they go, you know, you know, what's what's wrong with so and so? Oh, that's so lame. Oh, I hate that. You know, and it just and you you know, it's just it's just like, well, you know, I mean, not all of us loves everything, but right. let's let's not try to be um let's not try to be um the dark cloud around which the silver lining <laughs> must form. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Like here's the thing. So um here's what Sarah says about me half the time when I show up at her uh, Reiki studio. She's like I could feel you coming in the door out in the entryway before you even got in here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I hope that's so great. far, hopefully, I'm worth that. Uh, yeah. So you're doing great. That uh, Jane's here is working for me so far. Yeah. Well, this has been super delightful. Yeah. I don't want to leave your great. studio, so can I just like stay here for like another? You can. Five hours? There's a couch <laughs> in there. I have to leave because um, oh, yeah. I Shh. am. Uh, you have to take care of their pets. Yeah. So we're gonna. So it's we're not gonna, later anything. Yeah, it's not late, right? So we're gonna we're gonna tell everyone that we're doing this at four in the afternoon. Yes. No, it's not that bad. I mean, I know that I know that there have been you know someone there during the day, and I'm oh, I'm good. trying to be good. a responsible uh, pet sitter, so I'll get right down there and All right. take care of them. Um, so if people wanted to get in touch with you, do you have a website or what's the best way to find Yeah, them? so yeah, so thank you. The best way um, the the studio is called Audio for the Arts. We we purposely picked kind of a highfalutin name to, to reflect the, the well to reflect the fact that we do you know work with a lot of acoustic music mm -hmm. and a lot of um you know a lot of um different um you know uh, uh, you know classical jazz you know kind of stuff mm -hmm. so we thought well we should have the word arts in there and so it's um the website is just audio for the arts.com okay. and the um and and um and my email is buzz at Okay. Audio for the arts .com, so. That's pretty easy. That's pretty easy. I think we can find it. We'll share yeah. all that on the site. And I might, I, uh, everyone, I'm going to try to talk him into sharing his blue poem with us on the site. So, 
You know, I'll send it. I'll send it to you. Yeah, I mean, I've performed it live now half a dozen times, okay. and they perform. They have a recording of this. Is really funny. They have a recording, <laughs> at least to me. They have a recording of me uh, reciting it because uh-huh. there are times when they play a gig, you know, like in Chicago or something, and I can't be there, mm-hmm. so they just play me on tape. <laughs> I think so that's hilarious. There in yeah. spirit. That's so yeah, cool. I'm there. In, I'm there in voice. Very yeah. nice. My voice travels to a lot of cool places. My voice got to go to Monaco one time and Monaco. introduce. Yeah, and introduce uh, uh, Prince Albert II to the stage. I I wasn't there, but I recorded it, and my voice was Are there. Are you serious? serious? How'd that happen? It's Why another, did you save this for the end? We could have talked about that like 45 minutes Well, ago. I mean, my, my recorded <laughs> voice is probably not the most exciting thing. It was another one of these American family insurance things. Oh, they, okay. They, gotcha. They, they had a show in Monaco that was not wow. very complex, so they okay. didn't need me there live. They, but they wanted me to record some lines because hmm. I am their voice, and they like to keep that identity. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now I'm going to pay a lot more attention to that when I hear it around here. Well, you're you're not going to hear any of that because you would have to work for the company. To oh, hear. I don't internal. do their commercials. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, okay. I don't do their commercials. Okay, I'm doing internal stuff, but I'm okay. doing the stuff I really like to do because mm-hmm. I am honoring these um, these agents, and it's yeah. so fun because now some of the regional um, uh, uh, AmFam um, uh, shows are asking for me too. They're like, can we get that oh, guy that does the national shows? So guy. last year I did Kansas <laughs> City's and Minneapolis's <laughs> shows in person. Nice. And I did um, I did the Portland, Oregon show, or Seattle, Washington, I'm sorry. I did the Seattle, Washington show um, oh. on tape. Oh, um, nice. So yeah. You didn't get to go to Seattle? Because that would have been a fun one. It was at the same time as, as, as Kansas City. It was, oh. so, it was so unfortunate because oh. I wanted to go to all of them. Right. Uh, they, <laughs> all these offers came in and I said, well... I can either do yours live and yours on tape or the opposite, but, uh-huh. you know, they're like the same day. There's oh, no yeah. way I can, you know, no airplanes no are cloning, that fast. No cloning at the height. No height-tier. cloning. Okay, so, so that's, yeah. Yeah, I've got that problem too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again. This was a blast. It was. And, thank uh, you. Wow. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, that was a pretty great experience being in an actual studio, recording live, and then hearing it back later with the high-quality equipment that he had and it was a rainy Tuesday night last minute thanks to Skype and uh, I didn't want to leave but you know we had to move on (laughs) I think he had to kind of push me out the door at one point and the thing that I learned when I came back and listened to our conversation was how I, I thought about do I have people in my life who trust me that way and do I have people that I trust that way and I believe I do and I'm grateful for that and it made me think about How can I continue to cultivate that, that kind of friendship and that kind of trust in and with people? And I think that the way it happens more than anything is by being real and honest all the time. So let's do more of that. Thanks for listening, everyone. So are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.